From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, January 13th. In the first meeting of the year, the newly seated city council and mayor tackled a big question. How to proceed on Walnut Lane? Moab City purchased a trailer park on Walnut Lane back in 2018, proposing to build 80 units of affordable workforce housing on the site and not displace any current residents in the process. Um, Walking more specifically through the phasing, this was a complicated um, process trying to figure out how to redevelop a site. Caitlin Myers taking the council through the lengthy timeline of the Walnut Lane project on Tuesday night. In the years since its purchase, the land has been rezoned. A master plan has been made. Moab City has taken over property management and a contracting bid for phase one has come and gone. That contractor could not meet the requirements of the performance bond. In the fall, the previous council recommended staff get a new design-bid-build contract. And that's kind of the last conversation that we've had uh, with council related to Walnut Lane in this setting. This new council has to make some decisions on how they'd like to proceed. Meyer's last day as the senior projects manager for Moab City was Tuesday night. That means other staff will have to take up the project until the position can be filled. Despite these challenges, Councilmember Tawny Knutson-Boyd says she wants the city to remain committed to this project. I, I know this is hard. No part of it has been easy. We just, we have got to figure out how to make this work. I do not want to see this project die. I don't know how we can withstand another another trailer park being sold and scraped. Trailer parks being sold and scraped, displacing vulnerable residents, were top of the mind for some council members during the Walnut Lane discussion. Recently, occupants of 10 trailer homes at 200 North and 200 East were told they have to leave by the end of the month. The property's real estate agent says the owners are in the process of selling. And there are other evictions. Low-income residents living along Cane Creek Boulevard were told they need to leave this winter, too. The new property owner there is also planning to redevelop. The evictions are, of course, hard on those residents affected, but also on organizations providing crisis services like the Moab Valley Multicultural Center. Executive Director Rihanna Medina spoke to the council during Citizens to be Heard. At the Multicultural Center, we have just been um, dealing with two kind of large place displacements, one on the Cane Creek Boulevard redevelopment, and then the more recent one on the 200 North, 200 East. It's just so hard to see up close. It's it's really, really hard. This is the hardest I've ever seen um, rehousing. It just it's always been hard, but it's it's extraordinarily hard right now. Medina says she couldn't imagine the quote crisis of epic proportions if everyone on the Walnut Lane property was displaced too. The city estimates about 85 residents currently live in trailers on the site. Medina urged the current council to continue supporting the vision of rehousing those residents and creating even more housing for Moab with an affordable development on the site. Thank you for considering moving forward with that project. In the interest of preventing homelessness and for creating housing for everybody in Moab, every, especially those who are vulnerable, who have a lot of barriers, um, there's just nowhere else for people to go right now. The people that are getting displaced are the ones that are least in a position to actually be able to handle that displacement. Um, and they also make up a fundamental part of our economy. 
New council member Luke Wojciechowski. The city council still has to make some critical decisions on how to move forward with Walnut Lane. They discussed potentially contracting with a master developer. They also might have the option of self-funding phase one of the development with the help of American Rescue Plan Act money. Wojciechowski said that the market will not take care of Moab's affordable housing crisis. He says there are zero free market options that low and very low income residents can afford. We're already hearing from like Rihanna and a lot of the other nonprofits that they're getting strained by a lot of these actions that are happening within our community. And they've already been like overly strained for the past two years. There is no market-based solution that's going to be able to uh, provide enough like low-income housing to account for the displacement that's already happening or on the verge of happening and then could potentially happen if uh, we don't cross our T's and dot our I's regarding this project. Council members requested some more financial options from staff for funding the first phase of the Walnut Lane Apartments. They plan to discuss their next move on the project as soon as possible. The state Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women and Girls Task Force is investigating high crime rates in San Juan County. In Utah, Native Americans are victims of homicide at four times the rate of the white population. And many of those crimes are unsolved. Justin Higginbottom speaks with an expert about jurisdictional issues that may contribute to the situation. Moroni Benali says unsolved crime on tribal land in San Juan County is complicated by issues of sovereignty. And his organization, Restoring Ancestral Winds, is helping to determine what needs to change. One of the things with with the task force and Bluff just recently in, in November of last year, it was really focused on jurisdiction and trying to help lawmakers and others understand that first, the MMIW issue is exacerbated by a lot of these unaddressed issues around jurisdiction, which is is ultimately governed by uh, federal Indian law. It gets very complicated very quickly. Supreme Court cases have limited tribal authorities' ability to prosecute non-Native perpetrators. And tribal courts lack some authority to even prosecute their own members. The result has been a jurisdictional tangle that Benali thinks contributes to murdered and missing on the Navajo Nation. At that point, non-Native people were completely removed from the jurisdiction of tribes and tribal law enforcement and all of that. And so that sets the stage for like where things are right now. Some folks may know that tribes do not, one, have the capacity in terms of law enforcement. Even if they could, they may not even have the resources to prosecute. Two, they know that the laws in terms of just, just around homicide and other manner of crimes is really hazy. As the task force and experts discuss how jurisdictional issues impact crime, San Juan residents are asking for more help on the ground, namely better police responses. Here's some testimony from that November meeting in Bluff. You know, I talked to a lot of these community members, you know, through like the school board and uh, the chapter house and then family. And the, the first thing that, that we always uh, come up with is uh, we need more law enforcement. We need more presence of them. The Navajo Nation didn't want to come around anymore. We don't see nobody, you know. You'll be very lucky to see a Navajo Nation PD in this area once out of a month. And then you're over here talking about issues, crime rates, you know. So how do you think that makes me feel? And I can recall when I was younger, we live about a mile off the main road. 
it was safe to go for an evening walk with your family, with your children then. It was safe for your kids to play in your yard. But now we have community alerts of a suspicious vehicle that circulates within the area. And when a community member makes a brave approach to try to stop that person and see who it is, that person takes off in that suspicious vehicle. It has come to a very scary day and age at this time. Right now, if something happens out here in the Navajo Reservation, we call San Juan County Sheriff Department. They always say, are you white or are you Indian? If you're Indian, just call Shabrock. Well, we'll just call Shabrock for you. You know, that's where we're at now. So we don't have no help in the county. But as a Utah Navajo, we like to work with the county and law enforcement. Here's Benali again. They want to understand why and how members of their family, their relatives uh, were murdered. They want to know why little effort and resources are being put into searching for those that are missing or even investigating homicide. And they don't understand, and, and we don't, like I'm barely learning this, but oftentimes they don't quite understand that, that there's this sort of legal long-standing federal Indian policy that creates a barrier around tribes and their ability to adequately provide a law enforcement. And so that's a long-standing unfunded mandate. And a result of that, I mean, crime sort of flourishes. Another issue is finding out just how much crime is in the area. Data collection is just a whole field in itself. Um, and I think at some point, the task force will talk about data methodology and data collection. According to the Murder Accountability Project, only 21% of homicides of Native Americans were reported to federal authorities in San Juan County. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, January 13th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. 